Thank you for tuning in. This is our podcast, Healthy Families First, and I'm your podcast host, Dr. Raquel Lea. You can visit our blogger, texashealthyfamiliesfirst.blogspot.com or stop through our website at learn-edu.org for resources, tips, legislation changes and updates, sponsorship, and membership. We are listeners supported by members like you, and we've heard your requests. So, we have four advocacy goals. America's future legislative processes in family court, generational kinship and communication between parents and child, economic and educational freedom, and effective justice for parents. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's get started. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea, and you're listening to Healthy Families First. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to step away for a moment. We did chapter four and five last week. It was a rough chapter for me. I only received one email, um, but it was pretty lengthy. Hmm. And um, I'm hoping that as we move forward, People will will be inspired a little bit and have a clearer understanding at what's at stake with their families. This show is not for everyone. There's a lot of bitterness in families. There's some bitterness in my family. A lot of people, you know, I, I'm going to say this and, I, you know, my dad's probably going to get pissed off. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say this, even in my family. The eldest generation, which are those between the ages of 65 and 82, do most of the bickering. And my genre, my generation, 40 to late 50s, pick up the torch and keep it moving. We keep up the nonsense. And we take sides and split hairs and blame each other for things that the eldest generation actually started. So we just keep up the nonsense. I I just, you know, and I, I can't, it's so interesting. I have a relative that constantly, constantly says things about another relative. And it is, it is, people don't want to get involved. People kind of shy away from it. They shy away from the conversation. But it's like someone said in my family, you're, even in your silence, you're choosing. You're choosing not to take a side. So you're choosing, you know, and sometimes it's, it's good to take a stand. That's a good part that we're finding in leadership in Congress today. You're going to have to take a stand. That's one of the things I like about the news. You've got to take a stand. Now, I don't know which way you're going to stand. I don't know which side you're going to speak on, what you're going to do. And, and hey, you may not believe in my practices. I don't believe in yours, but take a stand. And eventually that happens. So 
because last the last bye week <laughs> was somewhat difficult, I wanted to talk about really good things in the news that you probably haven't heard about, which is, <laughs> and I'll share one with you before we go to a commercial break and kind of introduce the show for today. Michael Jordan donated $1 million to the Dorian Relief Fund. Dorian Relief Fund. I thought that that was awesome. Um, I did tell a friend and she kind of burst my bubble. She's like, well, you know, that's like peanuts for him. It's not peanuts. A million dollars is a million dollars. It doesn't matter who's getting it. It doesn't matter who's giving it. So I thought that that was awesome. He said that uh, he made a small announcement. I mean, it was like half a paragraph. Uh, Michael Jordan donates $1 million to the Dorian Relief Fund. And um, all it said was that his heart was sorrowful and that he was grievous and that he has property in in that area and that he hopes the families recover and that he visits often. That is encouraging. Put your money where your mouth is. I don't care if it's $500,000. I don't care if it's $200,000. And it's good to do something. I don't want people to look at, oh, well, he should have given more. Oh, well, he should have. <clears throat> it's not about what he's, he's done. It's about what you've done. Are you spreading the message? Have you given your $3? So um, I thought that that was a good thing. And toot toot <laughs> to Michael Jordan. Before we go to commercial break, I did notice that it was half a paragraph. I mean, it was literally seven sentences making an announcement that he had given. And yet, if you look in the news and look at even Jewish educational media has like four paragraphs in the latest publication for the National Jewish Women's Jewish League Fund. You know, um, the New York Times have a whole article about President Trump and that he's authorized the release of some transcript and um, the WeWork CEO is, is stepping down. So there are there's so much literature out there and it's eons and eons long about who shot John Peter and Paul. Someone said, and they said, and now they're fighting and we're going to do this and we're retaliating. And so bomb this bomb. Th-. It's amazing what we spend, even crypto, I, I, I'm in this cryptocurrency group. So even in cryptocurrency regulation, it's like 10 paragraphs about cryptocurrency, uh, legalization, legal laws, what country they're coming in out of, messaging apps, you know, defending itself against the SEC. (laughs) So (laughs) when you get into this anger media, people have so much to say. And this show today is just dedicated to some good stuff that's going on in the, in the, in the world today. I want to talk about some good stuff. So we're going to take a commercial break and we'll be back. As a nonprofit doing the most good, The Breaking Generational Curses series and Healthy Families First is promoting healthy parent-child relationships when there is a kinship split. No communication, no awareness, no occasional meetings, no nothing. And our intent 
is an information hub for parents to approach healing and recovery in safe spaces. Our broadcast will be featured in 47 countries and all USA podcast panels. Stay tuned for an open call to beta testers, listeners, sign-ups, and support. And again, thank you for listening. Visit CIDFUND.org. That's SIDFUND.org. Become a patron-level corporate sponsor. Tech taught by the Cog of Dallas and Technology, a private U.S. for-profit company founded in 1992 that specializes in information security, cybersecurity training, and selling certificates. Topics available for training include cyber and network defenses, penetration testing, incident response, digital forensic, and audit. The information security courses are developed through a consensus process involving administrators, security managers, and information security professionals. Visit their website today. And we're back. Thank you for tuning in. I am Dr. Raquel Lea, and you're listening to Healthy Families First. Okay. <laughs> so this week has been very trying for me. It, it's just been one of those weeks where it's right. We're in the 10 days of awe. I didn't know if I wanted to broadcast. I wasn't going to do it. I put a lot of stock and thought into it. I, and I, I listened to some other people and I decided to go ahead and do a happy, happy update show, um, instead of talking about the family issues that we're, we're talking about and, and stressing regarding today. So I just felt as though people need a happy moment. I have a nephew and he comes up to me and he gives me the best Zerbert ever. He just, just kind of make that noise with. Pfft, you know, that noise with his lips right under my neck. And it was just so funny. And we spent some time together. He is so immature. Gosh, he's so immature. It just drives me nuts. And I think part of it <laughs> is because he's a boy. It just drives me insane. Some of the things he does. And we have this rule. <laughs> we have a rule. Well, I have a rule. He spends his time breaking the rule. And the rule says that he's not allowed to touch anything without my permission. So I always say, uh, I call his name and I say, you are not allowed to touch anything. You never know where boy's hands are been. What are you touching? Stop it. And he's so gross. <laughs> he's like nine and a half and he's so gross and he tortures me. You know, if I'm chasing him, he pulls my hair. We played, uh, he he filled up water balloons and, and he took them next door to the neighbor's house and they went outside and they did all this stuff with water balloons. And then they had to get up all the stuff. And, and one of the comments my neighbor said was, <clears throat> before we start with these water balloons, I like to freeze a couple of them. And, every, and everybody went, what? 
So she wanted to freeze the water balloons or, or let it get, let the water balloons get icy. Now, I don't know if the balloon can hold that, can hold ice, but I understand the point. And she said, yeah, I want to smack him with it. So <laughs> this last weekend was a very good weekend for family time. And I hope I'm not losing my voice. It's getting very chalky. And since I live upstate, it's who knows what New England's going to be like. So back to the good times and good family stuff. He is just a joy. And he, he always say, you know, mommy, I'm, I'm going to stay with auntie this weekend. Don't feel bad. And he'll call her to make sure she's doing okay and, and whatnot, but he wants to spend time with me and, and we do all kind of fun stuff, but he is just the best kid. And I think that sometimes we forget to become children again. And he's not the same faith that I am, but he is my nephew. And, and I tell him all the time, I, I say, come here and let me pray. For, let me pray for you. And he lets me pray for him. And then he'll say, well, let me pray for you. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll let you pray for me. And that gets back to what I say at the end of each show, that my prayer for you as an adult is that when you were a child, that someone loved you enough to take the time to just pray for your future. That's it. Regardless of religion, and my nephew and I do not share the same beliefs. We we share more the same principles and moralities and oral law than the the fundamental of what it actually says. But he's he's almost 10. That's not a debate that he should have. So he understands the concept of living, of allowing TT to pray for him. He understands that concept. He, I understand the concept and what he means when he says, okay, well, let me pray for you. You understand? And on the, I'll share this one other thing with you. For the weekend, um, he told me, he, he said, well, TT, scoot over. You know, I want to lay in the bed with you and I want to play my, he has this little game that he plays on my phone, drives me nuts. So he played this game on my phone and I sat down and I was reading and I have a book that I'm reading. I always have a book I'm reading. And we sat there for about 45 minutes and he dozed off. And since he was at my house for the weekend, <clears throat> you know, I picked him up and I, and I put him in his bed, which he's uh, the heaviest child. But I did. I picked him up and I put him in the guest room. And, you know, he said, TT, come back. You know, you forgot to pray for me. He doesn't care what religion I am. And so it dawned on me. That as he gets older, he will have some concept that someone prayed for him. Just someone cared about his future. And it's not about conversion. It's not about um, sharing the same religious beliefs. It's about someone cares enough about your welfare to take a moment and say so. That's what it's about. And I hope that as adults, you yourself had someone to pray for you or pray for your future when you were a child that you remember. That's special. And that's why I pray for adults that didn't have that because that's a start 
of a fun, wonderful, loving, caring childship. (laughs) You just being a child. You have the comfort and security of knowing that someone cares. Okay, I'm off that banter. So there's an article in the news about um, a 15-year-old boy who checks on his elderly neighbor who lives across the street. I thought that that was so amazing. And the title just says, 15-year-old takes care of his elderly neighbors. How amazing. And the reason I wanted to mention it is because this article is rather longer. It has pictures. Um, It's just a little longer. I just felt as though a child, his name is Trent, who comes out of his home at 15 to go across the street and take a moment and recognize that someone needs care, caring for. How wonderful. And the elderly people said that Trent comes over and checks on them every day and that they care and love for him deeply. And it says that he takes them to the store. He he brings them groceries. He cuts the grass. He kind of does whatever he can. What a caring spirit. And what I'm not looking at are the ages of, of individuals. What I'm more focused on is that we don't have positive spins about parent-child relationships or interactive relationships in the media today where we give it some cause and we give it some pause to say, this is important. This is something that we should report on. So we want to get out of the dysfunction and madness. I don't care when you return to the dysfunction and madness of the media and and what's going on in the world today, it will be there waiting on you. <laughs> it's not going anywhere, I promise you. It, it It's always going to be there. And what I found is that if you don't search for happy articles, they tend not to be readily around, readily in the news. Now, I have seen a lot of things in the news media where people um, get a lot of views on social media. One million views. Look at this. This is happening. One million views. Look at that. I think that's more marketing. I believe that those are moments and some of them are really good deeds that are happening. For example, um, there was a really in-depth article about a kid who had um, some learning disability and career day was coming up at his school. And as career day was coming up, he didn't have a money for a university shirt. So it was career day, university day. So everybody was supposed to wear their university shirt and say what they wanted to do when they get older. It's all with, with a, the assignment is letting a child think about what they wanted to do, what college they'd like to attend, where they see their future going, stuff like that. The child, I think the child was maybe 13, but with a strong learning disability. Middle school age, did not have the money for a shirt. So he got a shirt, the color of the school, which I'll let you know was um, UT University of Tennessee shirt. So he wears the University of 
Tennessee shirt that he made and he had stapled some things to it. He had drawn on it and he was bullied and mocked for the shirt. The University of Tennessee heard about it and sent him and all of his students a care package. And it was wonderful. That's something that went viral. It went viral on Facebook. It was awesome. And the University of Tennessee actually sold out of the shirt. They rebranded the shirt and they donated the they they sold it online and then donated the money to anti-bullying campaign. What a feel-good story. I think it's an awesome story that University of Tennessee would say, hey, we heard about what happened. We'd like to intervene. We'd like to give this child and the whole class University of Tennessee shirts. Thank you so much for saying that you're going to <laughs> come to UT when you get older. And it also spreads the word. And I'm pretty sure the people that bullied him at lunchtime as the story went felt bad and ashamed and they should have. Now, the teacher that posted all of this didn't feel comfortable, nor did the parents feel comfortable sharing all of the information about who the children were that were involved, because that's not where we wanted to go with the media campaign, just whatever. The outreach was about anti-bullying. The outreach was about this child that was so excited that he reached out and he designed his own shirt. He made his own shirt and it wasn't good enough and he was bullied. That's a feel-good story. Now that story was on YouTube. It was on Facebook. It got over umpteen million views and everybody bought a shirt at UT. Shirt sold out, but all the proceeds went to anti-bullying. Good story. I see the need for YouTube hits, Facebook hits, likes, all those kind of things. Make sure it doesn't get marketing-ish, kind of. You don't, you don't want, as you look for feel-good stories, get away from just the common trends of some really nice puppy, you know, helping that can't get to mother's milk and the other puppies come and help the one puppy get to the mother's milk. Yeah, enough. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not talking about something that gets 1 million views. So you spend 2.34 minutes of your time looking at the video and saying, oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the first thing you see in the news media is hate. And, and there is a percentage and research geared toward the parallels of putting too much hate social media into your, into your, your internal energy. And so what I'm saying is that let's move away from that. Let's spend some time looking for feel good stories that are more encouraging about what's going on that we haven't necessarily heard about. So there are a couple more that I kind of want to go through for the next couple of minutes. Um, there's one that talks about how this gentleman, an Indiana man with Down syndrome, gets billboard after raising thousands. And so it talks about a man in Avon, um, Indiana, has a picture on a billboard and the story behind it is quite awesome. Okay, that's a great story. You know, there's another one that really caught my eye. Uh, boy makes bow tie for dogs to help them get adopted. How neat. This is about giving back. How wonderful to make bow ties for dogs so that dogs can get adopted. <laughs> I thought it's the cutest little thing, but you have to remember that if you want these really good moments in life, you need to search for them. If you're waiting for someone else to make a 
feel-good moment in your life, it's probably not going to happen. It's going to be, no one's here to entertain you. We have to put positive energy in our life and then we get it back. So positive energy. This kid is making bow ties so that dogs can get adopted. I don't know that you can, you can have a better story than that. It's a feel-good story about someone doing something with no regard of return. This child isn't thinking about how much money he's going to get paid. I promise you that. And he's probably not getting anything. And so the man, the, the, the child's name is Darius Brown. He's 12 years old and he just designs bow ties. That's right. And then he gives them to shelter pets and helps them get adopted. He's from Newark, New Jersey. He believes the bow tie helps the animals gain more attention from potential families. And what a, what a wonderful thing. And so it shows a kid, it shows some ladies adopting some dogs and they're holding up some of the, some of the bow ties. And then it also clips a couple of Facebook comments. Um, it said that from the age two, this particular child, Darius was diagnosed with a speech delay. I'm going to stop right there. And I see so much giving without regard for, for, from individuals that we classify as disabled, unable to care for themselves, out of their minds, mental health. And sometimes we call them degenerates. These are, are, and I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go somewhere with the point. There's a high propensity of people with speech delays, comprehension delays, fine motor skill delays, seem to encourage others by the masses. And yet, it's human beings with college degrees that are, we're the ones acting retarded. Excuse my word, but we, you know, I mean that discriminatorily toward people who have all of their functioning skills. We're the ones that are spreading anger and hate. We're marginalizing one another. Cut the madness. Just stop the madness. So I'm going to straighten my notes and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back and pay some bills. Healthy Families First Broadcast remains a free service for listeners, authors, and guests. In large part, thanks to your generosity and financial support. Every time you donate to our membership platform and join our community, you benefit with engagement, tips, resources, and professional guides. With your generosity of $3, $28, $150, or even $500 a month, you have the comfort of set it and forget it approach. Visit our page. Visit patreon.com forward slash healthy families first and become a patron
Healthy Families First magazine offers advertising package deals that include print, online banners, and radio show ads. We have experience working with custom ads to make readers stop and read the words by providing potential clients with an ad design, one that excels with media design and audience coverage. Contact Healthy Families First magazine by visiting our show page, bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. So I met, uh, thank you for coming back. This is <laughs> Dr. Raquel Leia, and you're listening to Healthy Families First. And we're just talking about the joys of life. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the joys of life. And I met a couple. Well, I met half the couple. Her name was Elizabeth. Interesting gal. Great conversation. And we, we hit it off just like that. I mean, we just start talking and giggling and cackling and going on. We had the best time. And then we were done. And we did a wrap up and we said that we were going to get together. We were going to do drinks. We were, I mean, just all of these promises in the world. I wasn't going to reach back out to her. (laughs) It's just something that I say, but we had the best connection. Okay. Rocked on, rocked on, rocked on. She contacted me maybe seven or eight days later, not that long, I'll say three or four days later. And she said, Akalea, you know, give me a call, da-da-da-da this and da-da-da-da that. And I was like, oh, that's how I am. I don't like maintaining relationships. (laughs) If there is not a, okay, I give my relationship time to my clients and to my job, and then outreach and philanthropy. So I never have a lot of time to to put into others and to kind of feed into a relationship. As a matter of fact, I don't even give it a, a lot of time. The guy that I'm dating, I don't even give that a lot of time. And the guy that I'm married to, I don't give him a lot of time either. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just hilarious. I just don't have, I don't make it a habit to give a lot of time to relationships. So when my nieces and my nephews and, um, come over, I'm done. Um, I, I don't want to play. I don't want to get into their preteenish kind of stuff until, until TT, can you talk to my mom? You know, and I have one niece that, that promise coming and oh my God, she's going to drive me freaking insane. She's going to drive me crazy. Here's the point. I need to make time for relationships. I need to make time for healthy relationships from healthy people that want to have healthy relationships with me. Right. I need to say, stop, pause, Akel, move away from the computer. And at, at, I will just interject with a side note of, of drama. I am, I don't think I'm a workaholic. Other people think I'm a workaholic. So I've contemplating moving my office out of, out of 
my home just out of the first floor, just moving it, just not having an office. And what ends up happening is that if I don't go to my office and actually work, I find myself spreading out all over my bed and working. (laughs) So the concept is not very, is not very content driven. (laughs) You know, there's no context. This is no point in, in trying this. Okay. Why is someone calling at the same time that I'm doing a show? So. Uh Uh-oh, let me just make sure I don't... Okay, so what we want to manage is putting into healthy relationships. Now, here's the side piece to that. I will spend time, and I mean hate-filled emotional time, in my head, driving down the street, in my dreams while I'm half asleep, in my emotive response time, fussing, complaining, and marginalizing someone else. I will do it. And I am guilty of it. I am the guilty one who sits around and says, you know what? I can't believe this, this snot for snot for snot is going on. And I'm going to do something about it because you know what? And that is this and that, and I will get on the phone with my mentors and coach and say, what do you think about this? What this is like talking time. When we go to, to happy hour, we are talking about snisnit, poppycorn. That's what we're talking about. That's what we spend our time drinking and talking about. What we don't spend our time talking about are my nieces and nephews and prom. What we don't spend our time talking about is the fact that I went fishing last, what, what, what day was it? Two weeks ago. What we don't, what I don't spend a lot, a lot of time talking about is that I am now putting on my schedule two or three days that they're coming over and doing a pool party before September 28th and the whole pool is shut down because of the ice and snow and all this kind of stuff. September September 28th is the last day. So you've got to get your swimming in, okay? I don't spend my time talking about that and I wonder why. And I'll, t- I'll just, don't don't even entertain me. Let me just tell you why. I am entertaining the madness. <laughs> I am, I am entertaining the bullshit and madness. I will, I remember um, maybe a couple of months ago, I went to an event and I don't often drink. I know what my limit is. And so I'll just sip on whatever my limit is, but I'm kind of popular, I will admit. And so guys will say, you know, Akelea, can I buy you? a Chardonnay. Can I buy you that? And I have friends that drink like gutted fish. So (laughs) I'll say no, but such and such wants a drink. Will you, will you get one for her? And I remember this one guy, he told me, he said, well, I didn't offer to buy one for her. I said, do it anyway, because you offered it for me. And we all made a joke about it. He got her a drink and we kind of moved on. I will sip on the same drink and it won't be one third gone. And they complain about it all the time. But you know what? I'm a responsible drinker. Okay. We'll spend all of that time and we'll spend all of that money talking about ridiculous madness. Do you understand when I say madness? Just crippling, crippling madness, drama that is going on. 
But we, even though we talk about good, healthy things, you ever notice we just don't stay in good, healthy moments? We kind of meander into the drama, right? And you don't really want to be the first one to start the drama because you don't want to be seen as talking smack. You understand? You don't want to be seen as shaking the dozens or doing the dozens, however they called it in the 80s. Um you don't you don't want to be classified as a gossiper, but we will gossip and listen to it. Okay? This is troubling. And if you if you're not troubled by it, then it just says where you are in life. It says where you are in life. So what I'm hoping is that after this you'll say, you know what, Dr. Akelea, you're right. I'm going to invest some time being a little bit more positive about things, talking about some other things that's going on. And I'll tell you something, it takes time to plan healthy activities, healthy relationships, and healthy conversation. Okay, so another article I read is about a homeless man. And here's the title. It said, a homeless man sat down in a restaurant and everyone wanted to help him. Okay. <laughs> We're getting into the deep, right? You know, people have their fascinations about why someone's homeless, right? I mean, you, you say, well, they should just, and then you fill in the blank. Well, why don't they? And then you fill in the blank. Ew. And then you fill in the blank, right? We, I mean, there's a, a good proportion of, of patrons in this country that kind of do that. So it was, it was a woman in Augusta, Georgia. Um, she said that she was moved by the kindness that she witnessed by local strangers wanting to help a homeless gentleman, um, at a steakhouse restaurant and her name's Kim. Okay. And, and she was just saying, she was just telling a story and she said yesterday she experienced an incident and she said it was going to remain with her for a lifetime. A man had seven dollars I don't know why she wanted to mention that it was a young white gentleman but maybe you know as stereotypical as we are in this country when we say homeless individual do we really think a young white man I don't know I'm just challenging you I'm just I'm just challenging just you know I'm not pushing your buttons I'm just challenging (laughs) and so it talked about how his dinner arrived and it was 15 bucks all he had was seven bucks um, and, and it said that he ate it like it was just completely his ma- last meal. And, um, that one of the things that she feared, the lady that was writing the story is what would occur, um, in this country where it pertained to race relations. So she kind of gave a side note. Um, and so she herself went over. And talked to the manager and said she wanted to pay for his meal. And she said that she had taken care of his food. And she said that he picked up the $7 to pay for the $15. And the waitress informed him that his meal was taken care of. Okay. And she said that the man's face just looked like it was an unbelief. Let's stop right there. If you're going to take care of my meal, which no one has done in a long time, because I'm, I'm, I'm so a Dutch person. 
I'm like, Dutch, let's go Dutch. You know, let's go Dutch. I don't want anybody implying one thing or another. But if you're going to take care of my meal, are you expecting me to thank you for that? Are you expecting that I would be generous? So I just noticed that in this particular article, she waited to see what would happen. I don't know. I don't know. I'm being a little judgy. I told you when it comes to homeless people, people are very judgy. You know, we, 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 we paint some picture in our head of what could, we imagine what could have happened. Someone's living in their car. Oh, can't they at least get a storage? They can't afford a storage. They can afford a car. Why can't they afford a storage? You know, so we, we go to a place and a space when, um, in this country, we bring up our ideals of homelessness. So I'll stop interjecting my half-stepping in the story and get to the point. So um, he didn't want to leave because he, he insisted on paying the $7. And so the waitress was like, no, sir, you know, it's paid. And um, so I'm not really unclear why he didn't understand that his meal was paid for. And this lady who's telling the story, the narrator, her name is Kim. She says that as he walked out, he began to thank all the staff. He thanked um, one of the managers. And in her article, she said, male managers. Don't know why she took the time to say that he was a male manager, but she did. And um, one of the, so, so a male manager held the door for him to leave. And, and once the man walked out, she said, she herself as a narrator, watched the manager stick out his hand to shake his hand. And she says to herself, at, and, and the reader, which is I, now you, at this point, I began to get emotional. The one great thing about the story is that all people that want wanted to help and did help to take care of him were white, with the exception of one of the four managers being an African-American woman. Even while he sat at the bar eating with an unsightly odor, no one moved away from him. No one made him uncomfortable. I learned you can never judge a book by its cover. And every white person is not a racist. And every black person is not a criminal. So, okay. In her giftness of the story, she's also making a point. I don't know if it was worth making the point. I just noticed that it was a good heartfelt story. And that's what that's what I mean we as Americans, we, and maybe it's all over the world where we have this perception of judginess and, and we tend to judge, 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 and see things in our way, see things in another way. And sometimes we get epiphanies. Sometimes we don't. Who knows? I just know that if you want to help, sometimes do we need to stop because we need affirmation of a thank you? It's worth a whole conversation. If I give somebody 10 bucks, do I insist on a thank you? If I give someone 200 bucks, do I insist on a thank you? And I'm going to say it for the sake of saying it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I would like a thank you. I, I mean, because I don't have 10 bucks to give you. 
but I gave you the 10 bucks and I have a rule that if I give you a monetary figure, you do not have to pay me back. It ruins relationships every time. You don't know what someone's going through. And if they say they'll pay you the 50 bucks back, release them at that moment and say, hey, this is a not a 50 buck payback. I only give it if I don't need it back. Here you go. Boom, we're done. Please don't ever mention it again. Next week, I expect you to buy me Panera Bread and I'll buy you Panera Bread the week after. Let's just keep doing what we've been doing. You, you understand? So I I do in my good deed moments as, as a person, patron, just whatever, I do want to thank you. But do I need to have a thank you? Am I so self-centered? Am I so insecure that I need someone to give me a thank you? If I purchase someone's shoes, if I walk up to a mother and pay less, okay, okay, we know pay less is closed down, okay? She has four kids and her total is 98 bucks and I, I pay the cost of the 98 bucks. Do I wait around for the thank you? You know, I think there's, there's something to offer as a secret Santa and just a walk away and drive away. And let's just chalk it up to Sadaka and Teshuva, right? And for those of you that don't know what Sadaka and Teshuva is, it's just when you give in Judaic terms, it's Sadaka and Teshuva. So, okay. I had something else I was going to share, but let me share one more story because I don't, I haven't decided to share it. So, <clears throat> Tyler Perry is one of the persons giving in the Bahamas. He's, he's using his private plane to deliver some things to the Bahamas. And so was another man that I heard about. He went to Home Depot and he ordered like 200 generators. And then he ordered how to get them there to the Bahamas. So he was an, an anonymous guy. And someone took a picture of the guy that said he wanted to be anonymous and posted it. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I, I, I don't know. I, you know, let me move on. I'll move on. Um, <clears throat> Honor Schwarzenegger reached out to a family and a woman that's 102 years old that's being evicted from her place. Um, and what, what the public notice said, and I, I will, I will mention it. I, I don't like mentioning public notices in hearings because it's already embarrassing enough, especially when the sheriff comes or if you're not home and they post it and your neighbors see it. If you've gone through an eviction and all your shit's been thrown out on the front lawn, who enjoys that? So I don't particularly care for mentioning public notices. However, we need to take a short break and pay the bills. Be right back. Broken Foundations, the sexual assault of baby girl is a chronological platform and awareness campaign for sexual assault victims. Concerns of accountability and justice have gone unnoticed, even within the hashtag MeToo movement. Share one author's journey through family, trust, relationships, for addressing sexual assault within families. Purchase your copy today on Amazon.com. Broken Foundations. The Sexual Assault of Baby Girl. Become a patron-level corporate sponsor. Tech taught by the Cog of Dallas and Technology, a private U.S. for-profit company founded in 1992 that specializes in information security, cybersecurity training, and selling certificates. 
Topics available for training include cyber and network defenses, penetration testing, incident response, digital forensic, and audit. The information security courses are developed through a consensus process involving administrators, security managers, and information security professionals. Visit their website today. And we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea, and we're listening to Healthy Families First. We're changing it up. We're talking about joy and love, and we're talking about doing the work to find a healthy space. How do we find a healthy space when there's so much negativity going on in the media? The idea is that you're going to have to look for good content, just like on our phone, on our iPad, on our laptop, whatever social media outlet we have, negative stuff's going on. This We haven't even gotten into the politics of the elections, so it's going to be negative campaigns everywhere. But to spend some time outside walking around the track while there's a baseball game going on, what a joy. What a wonder. I love things like that. That's what we should spend our time doing. We should spend our time in the safe spaces, healthy places. And make an effort to do good. Make an effort to look out for these things. Make an effort. So now that I've thought about it, I'll share this one story. It's not a long story. It's very short. I went to the grocery store and I live in... um, just a very hilly place. Let's put it that way in New England. And they're just these, ah, and and I drive a stick. So there's just these roads and hills and mountains. And you're like, if I get one more, because every time I, I get to third gear, I really need to go to first because I don't have the traction. But so I go back to second and it makes, makes this noise. I know that I'm going to have to get uh, chains on my tire or put some sandbags in my trunk just to make sure I get traction for the snow. Nothing new. Done it before. So I'm, I'm parked on this hill and the hill is going west and it's west. It's going up east. It's going down. I'm parked two thirds in the down direction. So there, there's more, there's more steep up than there is down. Once you get to my car, there was this lady, um, a couple of eons ago and she looked like she had given blood or something, but there was, there's no place to give blood here. There's like no place to give blood. So surely she wasn't doing it in a parking lot. She wasn't doing it at the building I was parked at. I don't know the story. Maybe it's something she had done the day before she was elderly and she was walking uphill toward the West and she stopped on a little pole that's probably lit up at night and she walked a couple of more steps and then she stopped. I said, Oh my God, she's not going to make it up this steep hill. So I get out of my car and I said to myself, if she takes one more step and she looks and literally as I said that, she kind of got rocky. I got out of my car and, uh, of course, turned the alarm on. <laughs> I ran over and I said, ma'am, ma'am. And I didn't want to say her name too loud because I felt like she was going to fall over. Maybe if I shocked her. 
And I said, hello, how are you? And the same time I said that in a pleasant voice, I grabbed her waist. I didn't want to frighten her. And she said, hi. I said, do you mind if I walk with you to your car? And she said, oh, no, I'm almost there. I, I, I think I can make it. I said, I get, I'll tell you what, we're going to make it there together. <laughs> and so we finished walking up that hill. Once we got up the hill and made a right there in the parking lot, there was a slope up, an upward slope, and then her car. And so we walked over and, and um, she said, well, I can make it. I said, and we were in the middle of the street. She said, I can make it. My car's right there. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make sure you make it. So if you touch the car, then I'll back off. And I was holding her by the waist and, and, you know, grabbing her wrist a little bit. The one that wasn't wrapped. You can tell she had given blood with the other hand. And um, we made it to her car. And I said, are you good? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm great. Thank you so much. She said, you've done your good deed for today. I said, right. I only have 50 more to go. <laughs> and so we laughed for a minute. I asked her her name. She asked me my name. I didn't want her to feel frightened. I was a stranger. So I started walking backward and I said, ma'am, I said, so what's your plan? She said, well, I, it's time for me to go home. I'm, I'm just going to sit in my car. I said, please do sit in your car. Take a moment. I said, do you need some water? Can I get something for you? She said, no, I'm really good. Thank you so much. That's what she said. I said, my thank yous. And I left and I went back to my car and continued to be the selfish, stuck up citizen that I am. (laughs) And so the point was that didn't cost you much. May cost you telling someone you call them right back. It didn't cost me much. It cost me a jog to her and up a hill that I needed to have anyway. And to be honest with you, had she fallen, I think just in my moral stability, I would have been held accountable to that, at least in the eyes of God, just a little bit. Akel, could you, can you at least get out of your car for a moment and help her up off the ground? Really? Maybe this is why I had you park here. You know, so just to stop that, I, I wanted to help. I thought it was a good deed to help, you know, and I get something out of it just as much as she got something out of it, right? The point is forcing ourselves to look for healthy moments encourage relationships, encourage our emotive senses, helps our sensories and our brain and our energy give off compassion and loving kindness. And it helps our healthy relationships at home. It's very hard to find that space. And sometimes we struggle to find that space, but you have to find it. Let's take another quick break. Be right back. As an NGO, the Cognitive Institute of Dallas and Technology is a nonprofit active in education, philanthropy, and other areas to affect change according to objectives in cybersecurity. While they support a format for vendors to offer courses, more often, 
Hosted events require organizational sponsorship and planning. Included is a suite of interactive learning tools for stimulating scenarios such as cyber attacks. They offer software development, security courses for professionals and CE units. Visit their website today. And we're back. So thank you for tuning in. This is Healthy Families First. I am your host, Dr. Akelea. And I want to share just one more story that I thought was really decent. Um, so it is very encouraging to offer hope to others one thing we have to understand is that hope does not, it's, it's not free. It really isn't. It costs us something to hope and dream. Hopes and dreams are, are intertwined with our insecurities, right? Right. I mean, we, if we, oh, I hope I can do this, but we're, what we're really doing is we're really sharing a small insecurity that we have. And, and then there's another side to it and it's sharing our dreams and that's hard to do. And so when you step out on that and people invest those things in you and, and, and people share with you what their hopes and dreams are, I, I think that that increases the success level of trustworthiness and healthy relationships. And here's why I say that healthy relationships are very hard reputations are very hard, especially if you have a bad reputation in your family, especially if you've had to take a hiatus from your family. It happens more often than not. It feels very isolating. People don't share it that often. Okay. And here's why I talk about reputations. And here's why I talk about um, how difficult it is to overcome a bad reputation. The next article reads, and the last one I'm going to share a Wichita family thanks officer for act of kindness. So there was this police officer in Wichita who's being praised. Um, his name is Jimmy. And he started, he, he pulled over his squad car and he took over cutting the grass of an elderly person. And I thought that was wonderful. I, I just thought that this police officer, Officer Lewis, it was wonderful. Police officers don't have a good reputation anywhere, okay, with people of color. And I don't mean black people. I just mean people of color, okay? And it's not, it's, it's just not that great. And it's not, it's not going to heal tomorrow. We all have to work at it. And yet this police officer did that good deed. And if you think about the reputation, if you think about the reputation of police officers and then the reputation that you may have in your family, if you there's a moment where you need to, to step back and you don't have that parent child relationship. Think of yourself as a police officer doing the work in the community to try and rebuild. This is some hard work. And more of the time, it's thankless. So med on, meditate on that for a moment. Of course, I'm like 10 minutes over my time. So if you have not been prayed for as 
an adult who was a child. I want to take that time to pray for you. And if you're male, then the prayer goes this way. The words of a blessing are taken from a priestly blessing, okay? And it's the introduction. And so for boys, it says, may you be like Ephraim and Manasseh. And for girls, it starts, may you be like Sarai, Rivka, Achel, and Leah. And so the rest of the blessing is the same. And it says, may God bless you and guard you. May God show you favor and be gracious to you. May God show you kindness and grant you peace. And so that offer that to you on this day of reconciliation as we go into the days of awe. And then as we go into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, be kind to one another. That's our show. So this is where our journey must end. And saying good evening and goodbye to you today does not mean that you don't get another opportunity to impact your generation, legislation, and effective change in your kinship and relationship with your child or your children. And as always, the vision of our broadcast is incomplex that you consider, catch, check out, and cradle simple approaches to parenting and communication. And we are here to help support. And in kind, your generosity helps parents' liberties and freedoms from constraint to guide and parent their children and grandchildren in safe and healthy places Won't you become a patron today? Visit our supporters page at patreon.com slash healthyfamiliesfirst.